Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode number 151, How to Argue with Your Husband. Okay, so I am going to be very vulnerable and tell you all the ways I messed up in our first uh, five to ten years of marriage. Um, And then little by little, as the years have progressed, and Michael and I have grown both in our spiritual journey and just really matured as people, and of course with my coach training, I have really learned how to resolve conflict differently. In fact, we try not to even call it arguments anymore. We're just resolving conflict. But I do think it's important for you to see the progression. So I'm going to go back to our first years of marriage. Michael was a philosophy major, and he was in law school when we married, between his second and third year of law school. And he liked the art of the argument. Um, It was very logical, very analytical. And I think he came into marriage thinking, if I just laid out the rational argument for her, she would get it. Well, I didn't. (laughs) I was an education major and very sensitive. And I cried a lot. And I was very emotional in our arguments. He wanted to state the facts emphatically, and I wanted to state my emotions emphatically. And we both, I think, had to learn how to argue. He needed to step back and be sensitive to my emotions, and I needed to learn the art of the argument and how to back up what I was thinking or what my opinions were. We're both strong-willed people. And in these early years, there was a lot of door slamming and yelling louder than the other. And there was even an episode, and I have his permission to tell you this, there was even an episode, our first year of marriage, where he threw a hot dog in my direction because I had left the argument. And now I realized that he felt disrespected. And so he threw it. A hot dog in my direction. And when we moved out of that apartment, oh, about nine months later, there was still mustard and ketchup on the kitchen cabinets. And actually what's sadder is that I was more angry about him wasting a hot dog than about whatever we were arguing about. In fact, we don't even know what we were arguing about. So we laugh about it now. Um, and it just is ridiculous. In fact, when I look back on what did we argue about, most of them I can't even remember. The ones that I do remember, of course, they were serious things. Um, But be careful about what you're arguing about. If every little trivial thing is something to argue about, step back and ask yourself why. Often it's pride. Uh, Often there are other issues underneath that you really need to check on. But anyway, Michael and I have come a long way in how we resolve issues. And like I said, we don't really argue now. Um, We have conflicts, and it's usually because one of us is tired or stressed. So here's how I used to argue. 
I had to have the issues resolved immediately. I'm a person who is uncomfortable with conflict, so we had to hash everything out right away. And Michael is a person who likes to think about things. And so very often, that was not good for him. He needed to step away and consider, I didn't realize he was considering my point of view. In my mind, I thought he was considering how he could bolster his argument. But I think probably he was trying to do both. But he needs to step away and have some space. So when I think about those years where he was in the law firm and I would call him up in the middle of the day because I was still angry about something and I wanted his attention, I was really inconsiderate. It was really dumb. He was trying to work. And here I was because I felt like I had to have it resolved. I needed to get his attention right away. I put him in an uncomfortable position at work. And as I mentioned before, I cried a lot. I was very emotional about whatever we were arguing about without many facts to back up my position. I was just giving in to the emotion. And I wasn't really thinking about what am I thinking that's causing this emotion. Had I stepped back and thought, why am I feeling this way? We would have avoided some very long, drawn-out arguments. The issue that we were arguing about always came down to how I felt, not the actual facts of the issue. And I was certain I was right. Not because in my head I had the facts, but because my emotions told me I was right. And not only was I right, but that he was wrong. So you can have a discussion, an argument where you're right and he's right, and you just have to figure out how you're going to go from here. But it's very different to say, I'm right and you're wrong. So if you're thinking your husband is always wrong, it's something for you to consider because the odds are not in your favor on that. Sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes he's right and sometimes we're wrong. And sometimes no one is right and no one is wrong. Also, more often than not, I was more upset about the argument rather than the conflict that started the argument. I made his actions or words mean something more than his actual words or actions. And frequently, I made them mean he didn't love me or didn't respect me. In our early years together, it was just a projection of my insecurities. And in later years, it was my pent-up resentments of arguments that we had had in the past that I hadn't fully processed. I had an unspoken belief that there was a winner and a loser, and I was never going to be the loser. Michael and I said things to each other that were personal and hurtful and had nothing to do with the actual initial conflict. We sometimes lost complete perspective and went days without speaking just because we were so angry with each other. And often, as I believe it is in any marriage, it was the grace of God that brought us back to remembering our main goal, create a marriage and family that lasts. With that goal in mind, we actually resolved the conflict. Okay, so <laughs> I laid it all out there. You see who I was. And now I want to share with you, after 38 years of marriage 
and continual growth, here are my suggestions for how to argue with your husband. First, recognize if you're tired. Tell your spouse you're tired. If you guys are in conflict, if there's something that you can feel, uh uh-oh, we don't agree on this, check to see if you're tired or see if he's tired. And if either of you is tired, ask to defer the discussion. If we would have deferred discussions, my goodness, some of the big, big arguments that we had would not have happened because the fuel for the argument, we had a conflict, but the fuel was our tiredness. All right, so make sure neither of you are tired. And if you're saying, you have no idea, I have all these kids, I'm always tired. I understand that. (laughs) There are degrees of tiredness. I remember being tired all the time, but I remember being exhausted when I didn't have any patience or just really any bandwidth to, to deal with whatever he was saying to me. I would take everything personally. That doesn't work. All right, number one, you and your spouse came into marriage with two different examples of how to argue. You each came into marriage with your own parents' habits, an example of how to interact with a spouse, for better and for worse. Discuss with your husband when you're not arguing about what that looked like in your home. So you have an understanding of your spouse's beliefs and stories about resolving conflict. You shouldn't be surprised that two people even people who love each other very much have very different perspectives on life. Decide together your rules of arguing. If you come into conflict, what are you going to do about it? And why do you want to resolve the conflict? Just talk about it so that when conflict arises, and it will always arise, it's always going to happen. Don't let it freak you out. You're in conflict. You're two people with two brains trying to come to consensus. Decide how you're going to do that ahead of time. And one particular thing is respecting each other's need to take a break or table the discussion until they calm down. Number two, seek to resolve conflict, not win or lose. This is not a power struggle. Don't keep a scorecard. You are two equal people in the sight of God who may have different opinions or perspectives and you need to come together to find a solution. Your job as parents, as spouses, is to come to consensus. We had a marriage counselor once tell us, your children did not sign up for divorce. So figure this out. And we did. (laughs) He was correct. And it really reminded us, we have an obligation to our children to come to consensus. Take a step back and think about his perspective, his view. Have empathetic curiosity. That's what we call it in coaching. Empathetic curiosity. Being curious with empathy as to why our spouse does something or says something. Why does he think this or feel this instead of getting defensive? Be humble. Your way is not always the right way. There may be no right way, only different ways. 
it's so interesting when I coach women on conflicts that they have with their husband and they, they describe all the things they're angry about their husband in conflict. He won't listen. He won't change. He won't this, he won't that. And then when I ask questions or when they offer evidence themselves of how they don't want to listen and they won't change. And I point it out to them. They're like, oh, oh, yes, maybe I need to be the first. And that's okay to be the first to say, why? Why is he thinking this? Where am I wrong? Where can I seek consensus with him? So be humble. And then consider what's the worst that can happen if you, quote, give in and do it your spouse's way. What's the worst that can happen? Try it. If it doesn't work, you can always revisit the situation and say, yeah, that didn't work so well. Let's try something else. Instead of demanding that we have the right way and he needs to acquiesce to what we say. Then be careful about not arguing about how you're arguing. All of a sudden he raised his voice or he walked away or he slammed the door And now I'm mad that he walked away or slammed the door or raised his voice. And I'm not really thinking about where do we start this discussion? It escalated so fast. Bring the escalation down. De-escalate. Go back to what is the original conflict. Number three, watch what you say. Be respectful. Be respectful and demand that your spouse also be respectful. This is putting good boundaries on an argument, a discussion, a conflict, or whatever you want to call it. Be respectful. No condescending, no name-calling. I want you to remember something that someone said once that I never forgot. You can't unsay something. So if you call your spouse a name, or if you have a terrible comment on his character, he'll remember that. Even if you apologize for it, and you may really mean to apologize for it, it is still something that was said, and it hurts. So be careful about what comes out of your mouth. Don't attack his character. You know, we say, hate the sin, love the sinner. Don't attack the character. Look at the conflict. And avoid you never or you always statements because they're rarely true. Don't unload resentments that you've piled up. Let go of the anger or hurt feelings when you resolve the conflict. Let it go. Pray it out. Ask God to take away all, you know, little crumbs of the conflict. Don't let them hold on because when you hold on to even a small portion of that anger, it can easily turn into hate and resentment. There is that saying, forgive and forget. I don't know if that's really something that you can do. Although now at 38 years, I certainly have forgotten a lot of the things, but forgive and let go. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Forgive and let go. Number four, consider tabling to the next day. This is something I alluded to earlier. Um, I don't agree with that phrase, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I understand the sentiment behind it. I think it is 
um, a good thing to consider. But if you're like us and you have many children and he had a demanding job and the only time that we could really work out conflicts is nine and 10 o'clock, we're exhausted. And so if you find yourself escalating or he's escalating the anger, the emotions, it could be a great opportunity to say, look, we're tired. This is not helping us. We're not going where we need to go with this, with this resolution. We're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into emotion and anger. So let's go to bed. Let's let our stress hormones calm down. Let's give ourselves a chance to consider the other's perspective. And let's give ourselves a chance to have space to think about our spouse, to think about who he really is. And what his good points are, rather than this exhausted moment of focusing on where he's wrong or how he hurt me, consider letting the sun just go down so that in the morning, maybe not until the following afternoon, after you've calmed down, you can actually resolve the issue. Number five, be the first to apologize even if you don't think you have anything to apologize for. Now, I can tell you this, and I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but it's really true, and it's good for my humility. When Michael and I were first married, he was always the first to apologize. In fact, I thought he should be the first to apologize. (laughs) I thought everything was his fault. So, of course, he should apologize first. And then as our marriage progressed, and I realized how very selfish I was, that I wasn't the first to apologize. When we apologize, so when I say be the first, what I mean is have a spirit of humility to reconcile. And even if you don't think you had anything to apologize for, that's pride, you can at least apologize for the conflict, for the emotions that may have hurt him. Well, I didn't mean to hurt him. That's not the issue. You probably said things or acted in ways that hurt him. Does it hurt you to apologize to him? No, it doesn't hurt you. It hurts your pride a little bit, but it doesn't hurt you. But it really does help him to connect back with you when he sees that you're being humble, that you want to connect with him. And for those of you who are the first to apologize... And you're thinking, why am I always the first? Well, pray that he will have the humility to apologize to you. Because I have a feeling that that's what Michael did. And now I apologize first often. Well, often when we have conflict. We've kind of worked out all the places where we have conflict. So we don't have much anymore. But when we do, I think about all those times that he apologized first and I go and apologize. And then we hug or kiss. We have some other sign of physical affection, which brings your communion back to one. That's the bonding. So don't just say sorry and walk away. That's not real reconciliation. Reconcile and the two shall become one. Reconcile. Even if you reconcile over the phone while he's at work, when Michael would come home from work, the first thing we would do is kiss and hug and apologize again. So have physical affection of some kind where you bond again. 
Number six, remember you can choose to think whatever will serve you and your relationship. You can choose. Don't be like I was, where you go off on emotion and everything is about your emotion and how you feel. You're responsible for how you feel. And that comes from your thoughts. What are you thinking about this issue or the way he's speaking or whatever the action was? What are you thinking? Now, sometimes what you're thinking may be true and accurate and it may really cause hurt. But sometimes it may be that you've gone to that negative emotion first. You can go to the, he's checked out, he's wrong, he's disrespecting me. Or you can choose to think, I wonder what's going on with him. What else could his actions or inactions mean? Seeking resolution rather than winning or losing will change the way we interact with our spouse when conflict arises. Just tell yourself, oh, of course we think differently. We're two different people with two different life histories. Finally, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Don't accept the negative thoughts your brain offers you about your spouse. That's when the primitive brain really gets in the way and just messes everything up. It will always offer us those negative thoughts because it's trying to keep us safe. And negative thoughts will keep us in the right and keep us safe. Instead, use your prefrontal cortex and be intentional. Remember your goal. A happy, connected marriage that lasts and creates a happy family life. Take care. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be? The woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at Janet at findingjoyinmotherhood.com.